Sunday. And excited that it's Sunday. And excited that Polly has graduated her military training. Amen. So she is officially an intelligence analyst, right? Amen. Amen. So I will say I'm, yeah, it should be a PowerPoint on that. It should be up there already. Go to the desktop. It should be on the desktop. Excuse me. Wait, so well, I can see. Fight, fight, please. Yeah, that's it. So, yes, sir. So, this morning, the topic of discussion is going to be fight, flight, or freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. Now, by show of hands, who've heard of fight, flight, or freeze? few of us, right? So a lot of times, well, when I was introduced to it, it was obviously through the military, right? And then again, through my career in law enforcement, because this is the body's natural response to trauma or fear, right? You're either going to fight, you're going to flight or you're going to freeze right and i've had personal experience with this concept right because uh in law enforcement you get some type of call right and it may be a hairy call you know and in my experience personally i train my body to do one of the two fight or flight freeze not so much because i want to be able to do one or the other Right. But some people, no matter how much training they go through, they get stuck on freeze. Right. So you get scared. You don't know what to do. You just stay there. You just stand there, you know. And uh, for us in the kingdom, sin is a life and death situation. Right. So we have three things we can do. We can fight, flight or freeze. Which one do you do? You know. So the goal of spiritual warfare is not to kill the enemy, right? It is to defeat them. You can defeat the enemy through God's word, not of your own might. And we find ourselves, whenever we are engaged in spiritual warfare, we want to fight, right? Cool, we can fight. But what methods are we using to fight the spiritual battle? A lot of times we want to use physical means to fight a spiritual battle. And when we do that, we're going to lose every single time, right? Because we're not fighting on the same plane. We're not fighting on the same playing field, right? So we're trying to fight a spiritual battle with spirit, with, with physical means. We can't beat the devil with our thunder and our lightning right here, right? We can't, we can't throw the dukes and beat the devil. So we have to fight, we have to fight on a spiritual level, right? So let us think about it. Imagine you go to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor because you're not feeling well. You know you're not feeling well. You know something in your body is going on. Now, you know, you, you just know you're not 100%. But you go to the doctor, and the doctor looks at you and says, I got some good news, and I got some good news. Right? But like I said, you're not feeling well. And uh, he says the good news is that there are no diseases, no viruses, no signs of aging in your body at all. Right. 
the micro the microorganisms in your gut is all working fine. You know, your heart is sounds good, is beating healthy, and um, good job. You know, you're taking care of yourself. And then you 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 just staring at blankly like, okay, well, well, why am I feeling this way? You know, but he said he got some more good news. You know, and uh, he says, uh, you know what? Just thank you for coming in. You know, you have a good day. You know, for a lot of us, we would say something's wrong with this doctor. You know what I mean? Something is wrong with this doctor because I know I'm not feeling well, but he continues to tell me that I'm healthy. You know, he got some good news and some good news. What would you do? Would you walk out feeling reassured that everything is fine? Or would you think that this doctor is crazy and you're going to go find you a second opinion? No, you're going to go get you a second opinion, right? And so sometimes we live a spiritual life, right? Silently being advised by this crazy doctor. Even though we know things around us are not going well, we're still being told mentally that everything is all right, right? So we walk around, we do our job, we drop the kids off, we pay our bills, we watch Netflix, like everything is just all good. Everything is peaches and cream. But there's a constant internal battle that's going on inside of all of us, right? Nothing here is going on good that we feel, right? But this doctor that we went to told us that everything is going to be all right. Everything is going good, you know. But we're fighting a life and death battle, a life-threatening battle that could be overcome with the right care. And we do have a destroyer. Man, his name is Satan. Right. He wants us dead. He wants us spiritually dead. And he's often like that crazy doctor to tell you that everything is all right, even though, you know, everything is not all right. But I do have some good news, though. The good news of the gospel. Right. That good news of the gospel. So Jesus came into the world to destroy the devil. Right. And give us life. Jesus, he is that good doctor, not the crazy doctor. Right. So we don't fight this battle, this spiritual battle, for victory. We fight it from victory, right? Because we already know the battle is already won, right? The battle is already won. So we're fighting from victory. And I think if we change our perspective about that, we're not fighting for victory. We don't fight to win. The battle is already won. We have to understand and know that the battle is already won. So First Peter 5, 8, and 9 says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood and the world. Right. So it says the devil walks about like a roaring lion, not a pussycat, not the cowardly lion off of the Wizard of Oz, but a roaring lion. You know, so you you know, you're just not going to go pet a roaring lion. You're not going to go treat a roaring lion like you would a small house cat, right? You're not afraid of a small house cat. You just kick that thing across the parking lot, you know? But you can't kick a roaring lion across the parking lot, right? Because it's going to gobble you up, most likely. And let us think about this. So imagine this. You're out at a restaurant, right? You're out at a restaurant and you get a small piece of paper as proof that you received your food from the restaurant, 
What is that small piece of paper called? A receipt. Excellent. When you realize on your receipt that the waiter refilled your lemonade six times and didn't tell you that they charge you every single time that they refill your lemonade, what is that called? Deceit, right? So you got receipt and then you have deceit, right? If you were, and, and me and Polly went out yesterday for brunch and um, I asked the lady, the, well, the waitress, do y'all give free refills on juice? Because I don't want no deception, right? She said, no, we do not. I said, thank you for telling me that, you know? So I got something that do has free, free, free refills, right? Because I do not want that six refills. Cause I like to drink a lot at the restaurant. So I don't want those refills to be showing up on my receipt, right? So that's deceit. So receipt and deceit come from two words in the Bible, right? Receive and deceive, right? Receive and deceive. So that suffix, sieve, means to grasp or to take, right? What makes these two words significantly different are the prefix, right? Re and de, right? So re means back to original place. So receipt, back to the original place, right? In other words, grasp something back if you get a receipt, right? So you have a meal, you have a proof of purchase that you paid for this meal, right? Deceive, prefix D, means down from, off, or away, right? So, like I said, receipt is something that you get proof that you got something back, but deceive is something that's taken away, right? A receipt puts everything out in the open. It shows exactly what you paid for, right? Deceit pulls everything in the dark, right? So why focus on these two words, Kyrie? Well, because one of them, was, uh, it, it essentially describes our response to God, and the other describes the devil's response to God, right? We receive God's word. The devil tries to deceive us with God's word. Don't miss this. We receive, and the devil, he deceives, right? Revelations 12, 7 through 9 says, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the devil, he has deceit written all over him, right? He has deceiver written all over him. And God in his might, he cast Satan down from heaven when he tried to take away from God's worship and glory. Right? Then the devil, he received one third of the angels with him because they tried to follow Lucifer. Right? So how exactly does a deceiver attack God? God, he cannot be deceived. Right. He attacks, he attacks him with putting doubt in our mind, right? He attacks God with his creation, with us, right? Come on, the, the, the Bible really doesn't say that, you know? You start having 
scenes like that in your head. Did God really say that? You know, come on, the Bible doesn't actually mean that right there. You know, so he twists God's word with lies, right? God says he will make all things work together for the good, right? Try it just once. That's what the devil tells us, right? Everything the devil says, it sounds like a trick. It sounds like a trick to get back what you think you deserve. You know, it sounds like a trip to get back what you think you deserve. But in all actuality, it's a trap. You know, it's a trap to take away what you've already been given. Right. It's a trap to take away what you've already been given. And the devil so badly wants us, uh, wants to keep us from seeing God's love in our lives and the God's truth. And for us, the receiver, how do we fight back? We fight back. By receiving God's love and truth with the gospel, right? You grasp back from the original place, receipt, the eternal gift that you've already been given. Jesus died to make us free. He already paid that bill, right? He already paid the bill. The price has already been paid. So, like I said before, we're fighting from victory, not for victory. We read the truth, receive the truth, we live the truth, and the truth will make us what? Free. Exactly. Because he who the son sets free is free indeed. Right. Then the devil knocks when he knocks. Just like you hear that. You don't always hear when the devil knocks. Right. He'd rather sneak in and open door. Right. Because he's the he's the deceiver. Right. He's the deceiver who's trying to target our minds with lies, trying to cover up God's love and truth. In John 8 and 44, it says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. The father of lies. Right? Other times he blows situations way out of proportion. Right. The accuser who wants to target our hearts with accusations today. Let's talk about a word that Jesus used when he talked about the devil, which is destroy. Right. He is the destroyer who targets us or target our will with pride. Right. He targets our will with pride. It was read to us this morning. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In John 10, 10, Jesus utilizes one of the simplest forms of human thinking to show the difference between real and good evil. Right. Good and real evil. He put them next to each other in this passage right here. What happens when you look into a dark room? You see dark, right? What happens when you look at light? You see light, right? But what happens when you put light next to a dark room? You see light. The light, it always wins. Right? The light always wins. So in this one passage, Jesus shows the whole world the light. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. In other words, the devil takes away, Jesus gives. 
plain and simple. The devil takes away, Jesus, he gives. But what do we do with this? How does Satan destroy? Pride, right? Pride happens when you look past God to fulfill your own desires, to do good, to matter, to get your needs met, right? And to be loved. Pride, right? And Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall, right? Everyone has heard pride comes before a great fall, right? In James 4, 1 through 10, it says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, men and women, right? Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. See, the devil, he abides by those three too, right? Fight, flight, or freeze. He's going he's gonna to flee, right? He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Laments on and mourn and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. So pride is what convinces us to act without God or worse, to use him to accomplish our own purposes. Right? Pride comes before the fall because pride is trying to walk without God in the dark. How do we destroy pride? It's with the opposite. Humbly surrender to the other side of John 10, 10, right? Humbly surrender to the other side. Jesus gives life and life to the full. Humility happens when you realize full life comes only when you receive, there's that word again, what you don't deserve from Jesus, right? Light, salvation, freedom, Grace, power to fight your daily battles, it's all a gift. It cannot be earned, right? None of this stuff can be earned. We can't do any of this stuff. We can't earn it, right? It's all a gift. Humble submission to Jesus defeats pride. What do you have when you think we earned it? You didn't earn it, right? Just humbly thank him. Thank God for giving it to you. Tell him. He can do whatever he wants with it because it's his. He gave it to you, right? Let us be used by God to accomplish his will, right? Pride says, I earned it. So I give God and others just a little, right? That's what pride says. Humility says, 
this was a gift so he can have it all, right? When we respond to God and others with this kind of uh, humility-filled, uh, open-handed living, um, the things that God has blessed us with, the thief can try to steal from us, right? But there's always enough, you know? So we don't have to try to hoard everything, right? Because we will always have more than enough, right? Because it was given to us, right? We did nothing to earn it. It was given to us. So we don't have to feel like we have to hoard on to this stuff, whatever it may be, because we may not have enough to get in the future, you know? But it was given to us in the beginning. It will be given to us again later on, you know? Why not just give it freely or liberally? He can't try to, uh, I say he can't try to steal our joy, but we allow him to. The devil I'm talking about. We allow him to steal our joy, to steal our peace, to steal our happiness. If we allow him to, we give him that power, right? We have to relinquish that power to him. But with God, we don't have to relinquish that power. We can hold on to that power, right? He can try to take our life, but it's an unending gift. He can try to destroy, but we're forsaken pride to humbly receive life to the full. Because when we put darkness next to light, we see light, right? When you're about to sin, listen, when we are about to sin, the devil aggressively tries to defend that sin, right? He tries to defend that sin against our better judgment and the Holy Spirit which dwells inside of us, right? So we try to justify our wrong. You know what I'm saying? So we out there and we get cut off in traffic you in the car by yourself, you start shouting some four-letter words. You bleep, 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 you know. Nobody else can hear you. God can hear you, you know what I'm saying? But we feel like, well, I've I, I personally heard it said, you know what? People who cuss are the most honest people in the world, you know? Hey, that's what they say, you know? So they feel like I'm being an honest person, you know, because I'm telling them how to, <laughs> how they make me feel, right? So we try to justify our sins, right? Then as soon as we put some sin on the scoreboard, then he goes on the offense attacking our heart. The devil says, see, you did it again. You will never overcome this, right? It's just who you are. You a loser, right? And you will always be a weak loser and an addict, you know? He calls you by your sin. Not your name. But God is gracious, right? Our God is gracious, and he calls us by our name. We have a real defender in Jesus, sent by our gracious Father to be that interceder or intercessor or propitiation for our sins, right? When our Heavenly Father looks at us, he sees Jesus and calls us by our new name, son or daughter, right? How does this impact shame, guilt, misplaced identity, and the ugly names you've been given or we believed about ourselves, right? So let's think about a sports analogy. Winning teams, they have a great coach, right? They have a great coach. They have a great playbook, and they put in a lot of time with practice, right? In life, we get a lot of practice. We have a great coach, which is the Holy Spirit. And we have an awesome playbook, 
which is the Bible, yeah. right? So as we read these scriptures today, we see how these examples play out. Let us not forget, we are on the winning team. Again, we're fighting from victory. We've already won. We're fighting from victory. So when we're tempted, if we hear, you're a good person, you earned this. Mind you, this is temptation. We feel like we earned this. You're strong enough to try it and quit later on, you know. That's the devil's accusation, right? If you hear, what does the scripture say about this? How will this impact your heart? Who will this hurt? That's the Holy Spirit's conviction, right? If when we fail or we don't meet the mark, if we hear, I'm a failure, I'll never get this right. This is just how I am, right? That's the devil's accusation. But if we hear, pray, come back to me. We can overcome this together. Don't be afraid to tell someone. That's the Holy Spirit conviction. When we cover up, try to conceal stuff, right? If we hear, they don't know. It won't hurt them. If you tell them, they'll reject you. So keep quiet, right? They're probably doing worse anyways, you know? That's the devil's accusation, right? If you hear you can't cover this up forever, I see what you've done and I still love you. You can heal from this if you open up. That's the Holy Spirit's conviction, right? Another one, if you confess or when you confess, if you hear, you're just a sicko, right? You're just sick, man. How could you be so horrible, right? You're feeling like you're being judged, right? You're alone in this one. That's the devil's accusation, right? But if you hear, I love you, I forgive you, I'm with you, here's a new way to live. Those are the words of your loving Heavenly Father, right? Is the devil real? We obviously know. So, right. But in a recent study, six out of 10 people say that they're sure that the devil is real. So that means four out of 10 doesn't believe so. So 40 percent of the study does not believe that the devil is real. But the same people were asked, is God real? And nine out of 10 said yes. So a greater percentage of people believe the good guys exist, but not the bad guys. You know, how do you make sense of that? You know, so basically there are a lot of people who believe, like I said, the good guys exist, but the bad guys doesn't. The devil, he is a deceiver, right? A lot of these people are deceived. They don't think that he exists. The devil, he attacks our minds with lies, right? He, had to, he is a destroyer who attacks our will with pride. And finally, he is the accuser who attacks our hearts with accusations, right? He is far weaker than God, but he doesn't want us to believe that. He's far weaker than God. So he does his most efficient battle when we don't know what's happening, right? When we're being deceived, right? Basically, he's, he, he's, he's fighting like a loser, right? He's fighting like a loser. When someone lacks confidence, what do they do? They try to bring other people down. Right. 
They try to bring other people down. The devil, he's fighting a losing battle. Right? He's fighting a losing war. God has already won, but he just hasn't got the memo yet, you know? So he's fighting like a loser. He's covertly attacking God's kids, us, right? So how do we fight against a covert enemy? Again, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory, right? One day we're going to put that on a t-shirt. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We don't fight in the dark. We fight in the light, right? We fight in the light. We fight because we know our enemy is real. We know that he is powerful. We realize the battle is not against the person sitting to our right or to our left of us, right? This is a spiritual battle, right? right? This is not a battle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness, right? We fight united against this spiritual power. That spiritual power, he wants us dead forever. But we fight humbly receiving the gift of God and his salvation. Right? We fight with the awareness of the enemy's playbook. We already know his hand. Right? But we try to be oblivious to it and think we can win this battle on our own means. Right? Fight, flight, or freeze. We think we can fight. We think we got it all figured out. You know, we can, we can win this battle by ourselves. We don't need God. But we're mistaken, you know, and again, that's with the devil and his deception. We think we can fight this battle with physical weapons, right? But we must combat spiritual attacks with spiritual arsenal, okay? The devil, he desires to sift us as wheat. Remember we read in about Peter, Simon, Simon, the devil, he desires to sift you as wheat. He wants to separate us from that true shaft or that true vine which is Jesus. And we read earlier that the devil walks about like what? A roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So it's his job to steal, kill, and destroy, right? He wants to steal your joy, right? He wants to kill your soul, which is the second death. He wants to destroy any hope that we may have in Jesus. And he's been on his job since shortly after the beginning of time, right? So how can we, who's been on this earth less than, way less than that, obviously, 60, 70 years at the most, 80 years, right? Against a force that's been here since close to the beginning of time. There's no way you can succeed in that battle if you're trying to fight it on your own, right? There's no way you can win that battle. So he's tempting us to be led astray by our own lustful desires, right? If the devil isn't bothering you, it's probably because he already has you, right? So there's, there, there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ, right? We know Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So how can I be strong in this battle, this spiritual battle against the devil? You know, we're talking about a spiritual warfare. You know, when we think about the Romans, they had armor, right? Elaborate pieces of armor to, to cover every inch of their body in battle, right? From the head, literally from the head to their feet, they were armed and shielded in battle to protect themselves, right? Believes in Christ, we need to take up our elaborate pieces of armor and prepare ourselves for this spiritual warfare that we're engaged in, right? 
crafted by God to protect and defend ourselves in the spiritual warfare against the devil. We are familiar with this passage, right? Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not our own might, right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that. I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. All right. So we talk about the whole armor of God. So we know we are not to live our Christian life essentially as a punching bag, just taking whatever blows life throws our way. Right. We do have the right and the authority to fight back. Right. But again, when we fight back, we're not throwing dukes. Right. We fighting back in the spirit. Right. So just as soldiers in battle have their protection, modern day soldiers have their protection. So do we. Right. Just as soldiers in battles have a weapon for offense. So do we. Right. It is the word of God for us. John one and one says what in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, you know, so God, he is our weapon. And that is the ultimate cheat code. Like it's like, how can you win against that? You can't. There is no victory against God. Right. So. We'd be unstoppable if we truly believe that, if we truly believe that we'd be unstoppable. But how many of us actually do believe that? We must walk by faith and not by sight, right? So how do we put on this whole armor? It says, gird your waist with truth, right? You put on that belt of truth in prayer and declaration, praying that you believe in God, right? And believe what he says. In John 17 and 17, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, right? And then you put on a breastplate of righteousness, right? What is that breastplate of righteousness? You protect your heart against anything that can turn your heart away from God, right? Maintaining that good and virtuous morals, okay? So you're not going to consume anything that can take your heart away from God, right? You got that breastplate of righteousness on. And then just like soldiers in real life, we got to take care of our feet, right? Shod your feet, right? Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. So you're going to pray for peace 
in the midst of the storm. You know what I'm saying? As soldiers in real life and as soldiers on this spiritual battlefield, we got to take care of our feet, you know, because without it, without peace, we're limited in how far we can go before we're going to do one of two things. We're going to give up or we're going to give in, right? Just think about it. If you are on a long hike and your feet are hurting, you're only going to go before go for so far before you just say, you know what? I'm done. I need to sit down. I need to take a break. I need to rest my feet, you know? But if you're doctoring on your feet, if you're taking care of your feet, you'll be able to go much further than the next person who's not taking care of their feet, right? Who doesn't have that peace. So if you have that peace that surpasses all understanding, you'll be able to go much further in this spiritual battle than those who are constantly being bombarded with life's trials and tribulations, right? Then you have that shield of faith, right? What is that? That's us praying that no matter what happens, we still know that God, he is a just God, right? And he is able to provide no matter what we experience on this time side. God is a just God and he's able to provide. When the enemy says no, Jesus can still say yes, right? So we pray knowing that it doesn't matter what the enemy throws our way. Our faith in God and our awareness of Jesus' power and his authority will thwart any attack, right? That shield of faith. And then we got to protect our head, right? With that helmet of salvation. So in our obedient obedience to God's word, we are united with Christ right here in this water grave of baptism, right? We're united with Christ in baptism. And now we have a relationship where we now can take advantage of repentance, right? So we pray that the traits of that old man that's supposed to stay buried in that watery grave, the sense of guilt and shame and pride and lust and idolatry, etc. cetera, uh, we maintain our positive connection with God, right? So that's hell made of salvation. Then after that, we have our weapon, right? That sword of the spirit, that sword of the spirit. So we need to pray that we make time to study God's word, right? We need to memorize scriptures. We need to uh, dwell on scriptures that are help us in our time of need, right? We need to apply those scriptures, not just read and study, but apply those scriptures as well, right? We need to recall times in our lives when we thought we had no way, but God made a way out of what we thought was no way. Right. And we know it was no one but God. We couldn't have figured it out even if we wanted to, you know, so let's give God his just due, you know. So we must combat spiritual attacks with a spiritual defense. We need to understand and know that there is power in prayer. Right. A lot of us look at prayer as a last resort. Right. When we, we only pray when we're going through tough times. Right. But when things are going good, that's when we don't even think about prayer, you know, you get in the routine of just waking up and going. Don't even take the time to just say, thank you, Lord, for waking me up. Right. We get in the routine of just driving down the street and knowing that we're going to get to our destination or in our minds, we know that we're going to get to our destination. We get out of our car, boop, boop, lock it and go in the, in the store, come back out. Nothing's been touched. You know, no one tried to break in our car and we crank it up. Drive on. We don't even think about the small things. Oh, well, we think of small things, right? So we get so much in the routine that we don't even think to 
pray about the simple things. But let our child get sick or let us get sick, you know. God is the first one we call on. Lord, help me. Help my child, you know. Granted, yes, we should call on them in times of need, but also when things are going good, right? Not just use God or use prayer like a spare tire, you know what I mean? Only when you need something, you know. Let's use it always. Pray without ceasing, right? And also, we must not be angry with people when they do us wrong, right? Or spitefully use us, you know, use us for their advantage or for their uh, for their gain, right? Because we know that or we should have an understanding that they're just an agent being used by the devil to accomplish his scheme, right? So if we have that understanding, we're not going to be upset with them as a person. It's whoever's using them, right? But the thing is, if, if our prayer life is right, if, if we're doing everything right and, and, and the devil just can't seem to get to us, then he can get to those closest to us, right? And they can be that thorn in our side, right? And that can be the, 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 the catalyst that throws us off track, you know, or not. You know, it can be used to increase our faith in God, you know. It all depends on how you play that. But just think about the story of Job, right? He lost everything. And even his wife and his friends are looking at him like, dude, why are you still worshiping this God, man? You lost everything. But even in the midst of losing it all, he still continued to praise God, right? So take joy in knowing that we have an intercessor in Jesus Christ, okay? We are not in this spiritual battle alone, even though we may feel like it at some times. We are not alone in this spiritual battle. And as Christians, like I said earlier, we are on the winning side. So just read to the end of the story. That's all you got to do. Read to the end of the story, the Bible, and you will see that we are victorious. Right? We are on the winning side. So trust and believe that you will prevail through Christ. And you always know i got three things that I want you to remember, right? One is study God's word, right? We read that in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, study to show ourselves approved. So we must study God's word. If we're not going to study God's word, we'll never know what to apply. We'll never know how to apply it. And we will constantly be in this spiritual battle, getting our behinds whooped because we don't have any type of spiritual arsenal to defend ourselves with, right? So we must study to show ourselves approved. Two, put on the whole armor of God, right? Let's not just think of this as something to put on a poster board or something that's cliche, but this is real life. Put on that whole armor of God. So he's given you the tools to, one, defend yourself, and two, to attack the enemy with, right? If we just look at it as a cliche saying that the whole armor of God, yeah, I got it, then it's not going to benefit you in any way, right? But if you use it the way it should be used, then you, too, can defend yourselves and show others how they can defend themselves as well. Right. So put on the whole arm of God. And three, just remember that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Right. So he promises that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Right. We need to keep in mind that. Again, we are not fighting for victory, fighting from victory. The battle's already won. He has already done the hard work. 
We just got to follow in his footsteps, follow his marching orders, right? Be obedient to his word, and we will, too, be victorious, right? So that's all we got to do is follow in God's footsteps, right? Follow his orders. We are soldiers in this battle. Just like soldiers in the battlefield, they got superiors, and they have orders they must follow, so the same remains for us as Christians, right? We got orders that we must follow as well, you know? Are we going to trust God at his word? Or are we going to think that we got it all figured out and now nah, he really didn't mean that, you know, are we going to allow ourselves to be deceived by the enemy? You know, the choice is yours. That's one thing that God did give us. He gave us free will. So you can either believe it or not, you know, but I will say you trying to defend yourself against a spiritual battle, not using his playbook. You're going to lose every time. Just putting it out there, you know. So, uh, Brother Foster, you can go ahead and get that inspirational song ready. So we know to get on that winning side, there are steps that we must do in order to be able to be in that oneness or relationship with Christ. Right? We must hear the word. We must believe what we hear. We must repent and then must confess and be baptized for the remission of our sins. There's a process to get in God's word. There's a process once you're in his body to conduct yourselves, right? Now, he gave us the playbook. But again, it's up to us to follow through with it and to abide in it and to play by his rules. You know? Us deciding that we wanted to be Christians, that was a free will choice of ours, right? No one twisted our arms. We didn't stumble in the church. We didn't uh wake up and find ourselves magically christians no you, you made a conscious decision that this is what you want to do right and in doing so there are certain things that you must do in order to defend yourself in this spiritual warfare right just know again we are on the winning side we're not fighting for victory we're fighting what from victory amen so it is my prayer that this message this morning was not too brief, but also but just to encourage you to know that you are on the winning side, right? You are on the winning side. And to know and understand that there is a game plan outlined in the Bible for you to defend yourself in these uh, spiritual battles that we will face. Not may face, but we will face. Every one of us, just live a little life. You're going to experience a spiritual battle a time or two, right? And in those time of two, or three or four, how are you going to react? Are you going to fold and give in and just, you know what, succumb to sin and say, you know what, it's not that bad. I'll repent for it later on, you know? Or are you going to stand against the devil and resist him so he will flee, right? So fight, flight, or freeze. Which one are you going to do? You can stand. Amen.